All right, everybody, welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Thursday. Hope you're doing well. I am Will Brinson. This is the daily CBS Sports NFL show. You can follow me on Twitter at Will Brinson. You can follow the podcast at Pick 6. We're going to dive right into it because I am ignoring my family, my mom, and my dad. I've driven to High Point, North Carolina from Raleigh to evade a hurricane that is not going to show up in Raleigh, but it turns out that my air conditioning wasn't working. So, of course, I am the one truly suffering. Uh, but now I am with my parents, and they are wondering why I'm screaming at this microphone uh, like I did when I lived here like 10 years ago. Um, John Breach, how many times? John Breach is our guest. Also coming up, well, John Breach is going to do this intro with me to talk about the Bengals and Ravens and NFL news. Then we're going to talk to Kyle Brandt of NFL Network uh, for a little bit about various NFL things, including Good Morning Football and his new show, The Kyle Brandt football experience john breach did you at any point after you uh after you were supposed to leave the nest the breach nest did you ever come back and live at the breach nest uh i did not after wow college, wait wait does does going back after college count yes. and hanging out with the well i mean you know three months one summer i, I don't see i don't know if that counts I don't see, count well that. well well wait so like you graduated college no, no, no. Like after sophomore year of college, I went back, was with my family for three months. Uh, and, and then speaking of this whole hurricane, the after junior and senior year, I spent three months in Hilton Head working down there instead of going home. Uh, so I know that area. Let's hope everyone stays safe. Like Brinson, who has brought his blogging life full circle and is making this podcast from his mom's basement. I was, uh, I was, this is my parents' sun porch and I showed you there are people can't see it because it's an audio podcast. A lot of taxidermy out here. Uh, a lot of, a lot of, actually a lot of guns out here too. And that's just, my dad's a big hunter. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I used to, this is where I, I started my blogging career was out on the sun porch. I would write, uh, when I, in the infancy of the internet, I would write out, I would come out here and watch sports and write, uh, on the internet when I had a full-time job and when I was going back to school, when I was much busier than I am now. Now I just complain about having to do a daily podcast. By the way, people, if you like this daily podcast, subscribe, rate and review. We appreciate all the love that you guys give us. Tweet us if you got somebody you want to hear us talk or something you want to hear us talk about. You can email me at willbrinson at gmail.com. My DMs on Twitter are also open. Um, I am, I, I actually breach. I don't, I don't know why I like doing this. I like analyzing fantasy football trades. Um, I don't really like answering lineup questions. I will. But if, if people want to send me fantasy football trade questions, I'm happy to do that on Gmail or on Twitter DMs, or you can tweet at me. You can, again, you can tweet John Breach at John Breach. Let's dive into the football news. Some quarterback injuries to take care of. First off, John, um, Marcus Mariota. The Titans quarterback. I thought he was going to miss a lot of time. It actually looks like Mariota is going to be good to go against the Texans this weekend. I mean, my theory on that is that he had like four days to heal because that's how long that game lasted on <laughs> Sunday. Uh, so there was no chance he wasn't. Go- it did feel like that though. Like you just said that there was a chance maybe he wasn't going to play because it was an elbow injury. It looked like he got roughed up, uh, by Miami's William Hayes in the second half of that marathon game against the Dolphins. And so it kind of felt like, hey, maybe he's not going to play against the Texans, but here we go. We've got Mike Brabel saying today, barring a setback, Marcus is going to be playing. And, you know, if he's out there full go at practice, I don't think we're going to see a setback. Yeah, and that's huge news, too. In the Super Contest, um, the Titans and Texans game is a pick em. And we actually have the Titans at plus two on our site. I uh, I was leaning towards Houston if Mariota doesn't play. I think most people, I think you'll see the public heavily on, uh, the, uh, the, the Houston Texans, mainly because 
you know, that's sort of what the, the public does. And I'll bring up the public betting trends courtesy of the Action Network. Uh, I don't want to promote a different site that's not ours, but Action Network has a lot of cool info. If you sign up for it and get to go pro, um, you can access these, these betting trends. It like tells you percent of bets versus percent of money. And typically speaking, um, when everybody is hammering, when, when, when more, when all the bets are on one side, but all the money's on the other side, that's a, that's a good way to, that's a good time to swing the, uh, the other way. Not, not nothing's guaranteed in the NFL, but it's worth noting. Uh, Houston, they don't really have a ton of bets recorded, but Houston, 44% of the bets, 80%, 87% of the money, uh, in the early going, which is a bit of a red flag. They've got it at two and a half. Um, I, I like the Titans here, John, if only because I think people saw, Deshaun Watson and the Texans go into Foxborough, play it pretty close to the Patriots, and they saw the box score where the Titans looked terrible. I think the Titans could write the ship at home against the Texans. Am I crazy? Uh, you are crazy, Brinson. And <laughs> this is only one of the many dozens of reasons why. But here, I'm just completely opposite <laughs> of that. I hate the Titans this game. They might not have their starting left tackle. We already know Delaney Walker's out for the season. Marcus Mariota struggled against the Dolphins and now he's not going to have his starting tight end, the, the you know his security blanket. Don't you sleep and on Jonu Smith? Don't you don't you disrespect Jonu Smith? This is a Jonu Smith podcast. This is I, well, I need to pick up Jonu Smith on my fantasy team because Delaney Walker was on my team and now I lost him. But that is neither here nor there. The other thing here is that I think the advantage, it, you know, the Texans don't have a great offensive line, so the Titans just could mm. come in and attack that. That's not necessarily an advantage because you have Bill O'Brien. He knows Mike Brable inside and out. He knows what de- defensive schemes the Titans are going to be bringing in this game. And so that turns one of the Titans' advantages, I think, into a Texans' advantage. Uh, I just love Houston this game. All right, fair enough. Uh, the other game that involves a quarterback in a very important matchup, Aaron Rodgers, who we saw get hurt on Sunday night, left the field on a cart, comes back, plays on one leg, heroic performance, wins the game against the Bears. We all knew it was coming as it unfolded, but he is playing the Vikings at home in another huge divisional game. And there is a very, very interesting because of what was released by the, the Las Vegas Westgate, which sets the line for the super contest, which, um, listeners of this podcast know myself, Pete Briscoe, Nick Costos, RJ White, our editor, uh, we're going to talk to, all three of those guys on Thursday, I believe, and break down um, their best bets for the Super Contest. But you pick five games five games against the spread, and because you can't have the spreads moving, they come out on Wednesday night. Well, the line currently in Las Vegas is either Packers is a pick or Packers minus one. The Westgate said it at Packers plus seven, John, which to me indicates that they don't know that Aaron Rodgers is going to play. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have no idea if you're setting a line like that because there is no way you make Aaron Rodgers a seven-point underdog at home. At home. The the Packers haven't lost a September home game since 2012, no matter who's playing, okay? So then you throw in the Aaron Rodgers is playing. So, yeah, I absolutely agree. They don't know. We don't know. I'm not even sure Mike McCarthy knows. I think the only person that knows is Aaron Rodgers, and he's probably just – sitting at home right now, kind of laughing it up about all this because he knows he's going to play. I cannot see Aaron Rodgers missing this game after what the Vikings did to him last year, just kind of beating him up and breaking his collarbone. I mean, that this is a revenge game, and mm. when you're Aaron Rodgers, you don't miss revenge games. That's true. I will say that, like, the Bears, what the Bears did in the first half to Aaron Rodgers 
is what the Vikings will do the whole game to Aaron Rodgers because they, they, they have a deep defense that's way more talented at every level and they can get pressure on quarterbacks. They were all over Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think you have to be a little bit worried. Like you can't sit Aaron Rodgers because you're worried he'll get hurt. But if he's hurt and he can't move around and escape defenders, I can see a situation where you put him down. I also think the super contest guys want it. They figure, okay, if we make this a pick and Rodgers is out, literally everyone who takes the the Vikings will get a free win because the Vikings will go in there and stomp Devontae Adams. But if, right, we, right. but if we make this plus seven and Rodgers plays, the Vikings could still win and cover the seven. It wouldn't be, you know, it would be surprising, but it wouldn't be that stunning. And if everybody takes the Packers plus seven and Rodgers is announced on Sunday and the picks are due on Saturday morning, then all of a sudden Rodgers is out and you're holding Packers plus seven at home and you feel terrible about it. So I think they're like, I think that that's my theory on why they would do that to make it, um, that risky, but maybe they just know that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play. And one thing you just said that makes a lot of sense is, you don't want to put him in there and watch him get beat up for four quarters. And I could see a situation where the Packers coaching staff, where Mike McCarthy says, hey, look, we know you're capable of playing, but we've got the rest of the season to worry about. We can't see you get injured mm. against the Vikings. You can't go in there with a gimpy leg because this is the best defense in the NFL. And Aaron Rodgers saying, yeah, no, I'm playing. Like, you guys wouldn't be anywhere ever without me, so it's my decision. Uh, so I, I definitely could see a situation where the Packers coaching staff doesn't necessarily want him to play. But I, I just think Aaron Rodgers is going to want to be on the field. Uh, another piece of news, and we'll we'll segue this into the game tonight, but uh, A.J. Green said that the Bengals have a player on their roster who's as good as Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley. And, you know, John, I'll let you tell me who it is in a second. But I'm going to tell you first that if you wanted to see the Bengals' offense operate in action right now, like you're sitting around listening to this podcast, you're like, man, I wish I could see how the Bengals looked against the Colts so I could know how they'll look tonight against the Ravens and whether I should take the, the Ravens or the Bengals against the spread. The best Best way to do that would be to have NFL a game pass. And if you go to if you go to NFL.com backslash pick six, you will get a seven day free trial of NFL Game Pass. That's seven days for free, which means you can watch all the games from last weekend leading up to this weekend. You can watch all the games from this weekend after they happen. You'll be able to watch a one o'clock game in that four o'clock window, I think. I feel like you can kind of do that now. They they sort of la- they sort of they sort of uh, lessen the stranglehold on that, and you can definitely watch them at night. So if you don't want to watch the primetime game on uh you know on Sunday night, maybe you can fire up a one o'clock game that you miss. I'm not sure why you wouldn't want to watch uh, Giants at at Cowboys, but maybe maybe you'd prefer to watch a CBS game over an NBC game. Nothing wrong with that. NFL.com backslash pick six game pass has all 22 the coaches tape it has condensed versions of games you can fire through them in 40 minutes it has the broadcast versions you get the full week all access to years and years of tape go check it out seven day free trial NFL.com backslash pick six so John who's the player hey and real quick on game pass that condensed version comes in handy when you're trying to watch a seven hour game like Dolphins Titans (laughs) that thing's condensed down to 30 minutes It's, it's fantastic But with the Bengals, man, that guy, if you were watching the game on Sunday, it is the man who stole the show, Joe Mixon. I mean, he has just added an element to the Bengals' offense that they have not had. Uh, He's Gio Bernard on steroids. You know, Mm. they've had Jeremy Hills. They've had – they never really had a multi-dimensional every-down running back since Andy Dalton's been there. So this just gives Andy Dalton a weapon he hasn't had. And Andy Dalton needs that because what we've seen, he's not great under pressure. If he's got a running back, he can get the ball too quickly. That makes the Bengals offense better. What, um, 
What do you think about this game? Because it's interesting. It is a pick em. In most places, I think the, the Ravens might be minus one. Some places, the Bengals are minus one. I mean, it's a pretty close game. Obviously, a, di- a divisional game. Two teams tied for first place in the AFC North. You're a big Bengals guy. I'm a big Ravens guy just for this year. Um, I, I feel a little jaded. Or not jaded. I feel like I might be having some some Ravens blinders on and I feel like most people will be jumping on the Ravens in this game because of how well they played against Buffalo but that was at home Joe Flacco's not as good on the road yet this is an Andy Dalton primetime game what what do you sort of see in this game I mean first you hit the nail on the head there every time the Bengals play in primetime I have to go in my backyard find like a rabbit so I can sacrifice it (laughs) just so just because I want this team to win a primetime game at some point it doesn't feel like it's ever going to happen this is not any sort of myth you look at the last Bengals 15 primetime games they're three and 12 like they are bad whatever it is they just choke up under the lights they look horrible they're not fun to watch the offense just looks inefficient and and you never can really understand what it is but the flip side of that is that hey you know they've kind of dominated the Ravens over the past few years they've won eight of 11 against Baltimore I mean we saw week 17 last year the Bengals had absolutely nothing to play for zilch Mm. Uh, and they kept the Ravens out of the playoffs with that uh, Andy Dalton to Tyler Boy touchdown pass that we all remember. And so, but the flip side of that is that, hey, maybe there's a revenge factor there because you're the Ravens. You're pretty upset that this team eliminated you from the playoffs last year. Uh, so there's a lot of little subplots to this game. But I, I do like the Bengals just slightly, even though they're known to choke in prime time. I like the Ravens here. And nobody should be surprised by that because I've been honking the Ravens um, all offseason. I will say that after one week, and, and one week means not much, but, you know, after one week, um, the top t- – both of these teams, as we all expected, of course, the, the Ravens and the Bengals are top 10 in DVOA in, uh, in offense. Um, the Ravens are also a top 10 team in defense while the Bengals are 17th. And, again, it takes, like, several weeks of DVOA functionality for that to really catch up and, and teach us something. Like, the Chargers are number one, Rams two. The Buccaneers are third, which Ryan Fitzpatrick, we all saw that uh, that coming. I do think, though, that this Ravens, de- this Ravens offense looks better. Joe Flacco looks like he's got some not swagger to him. He just looks like he's like, all right, I'm going to go out here and do stuff that I normally don't do because you you got Lamar Jackson and Kyle Brandon. I'll talk about this in a minute about Joe Flacco, but I just I like the the weapons that they added with Michael Crabtree, Willie Snead, John Brown. All three caught a touchdown. They're not the greatest wide receivers in the world. They're sort of waiver wire castoffs, if you will. But Alex Collins could be in line for a big game. I just think the Ravens. Find a way to win because they're a better team. But I do think this will be close, and I could really see it being a low-scoring battle, too. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the one thing, though, is that I don't really feel like we learned anything about the Ravens in week one. I mm-hmm. think me, you, and Wilson, and like eight other people could have gone out there and against the Bills and put up a ended up with a top DVOA for the week, put up 47 points. Brinson, I think you could have caught two touchdown passes. Uh, it just felt like the Bills were the worst team of week one. I don't think it matters who they would have played. They would have lost 47 to three to anyone. So it's just, I'm not, I don't have a judgment on the Ravens yet. I'm not impressed. I'm not, not impressed. Uh, I just need to see them play a real team before I'm sold. 
Should my mom serve dinner, John? Do you think my mom should? Yes, she should. Um, she she popped out here and asked me. If, I, I love being at home. You like being you like being at home? Don't you like? Being uh, at home? You get the home cooking, man. What's yeah. what's not to love about being at home? Where do you? Where do eventually? You know, you're married, no kids, but where do you have a kid? And like, you can pass off the kid to the parents. You're like, don't you want to play with Robbie? And here's my dog too. Play with my dog, mom and dad. Um, all right. So you're taking the Bengals. I'm taking the Ravens. It's going to be close. I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a slugfest on a Thursday night between two good teams. Anything we should look for from Cincinnati that you noticed in week one that we might um, that we might not be expecting? Well, I think let's go back to that week 17 game last year. The Ravens had trouble with the Bengals tight ends. Tyler Croft had two touchdowns. And so now you bring that – you throw that factor back in. If they have trouble again, Andy Dalton's going to be able to exploit that. And the other thing is – Joe Mixon's kind of coming out party was in that week 17 game last year. Uh, I think he had 95, 96 yards rushing. And, and so that was his second biggest game of 2017 came against the Ravens last year. And so I think Joe Mixon is a weapon that the Bengals are going to utilize a lot on Thursday. Uh, I just really, I like the Bengals offense as much as you like the Ravens offense. Fair enough. I, I wanted to have Alex Collins and, and Joe Mixon in every single one of my fantasy leagues this year. I was planning on getting them in the third and fourth rounds. And by the time freaking draft started, they were going to the second and third rounds. And I didn't get either of them in any draft. Although I did just trade, very excited about this. I just traded in a dynasty league, um, uh, first and second round pick next year plus, uh, Rashad Penny plus Nelson Aguilar for Alex Collins and Brandon Cooks. And I would like to note that Brinson and I are in one fantasy league together. And uh, I went in this draft that we had last week, like 10 days ago. It's like a 48-hour draft. It was the most daunting thing I've ever been a part of in my life. Uh, had no idea this was a PPR league. Oh, no. Went in just the most brutal draft strategy. My team's going to go 0-16. I'm embarrassed, and I don't ever want to talk about this league again. All right, well, we won't talk about it again. Instead, we'll say thank you to John Breach, and let's go talk to uh, Kyle Brandt. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, joining me now, Kyle Brandt, the man, the myth, the legend, good friend of mine, long time, no talk, buddy. I'm sitting here drinking out of a good morning football mug, and you you are drinking out of – I'm on my third cup of coffee for some reason today. i gotta, I got to stay, stay hydrated, stay awake. Uh, people are listening to this on Thursday morning, but we are recording this on Wednesday morning. You are drinking out of the Good Morning, uh, good morning Football Fountain of Life because things are going – things. everything is coming up Kyle Brandt these days. What's going on, buddy? Well, it's awesome to be on. You know how they say it is you can do one show, I'm going to do this show. I said to my guy – if I could do 40 shows, make sure Will <laughs> Brinson's is one of them. I don't want to miss the Will Brinson podcast because I love them. Well, you know, it actually worked out funny because, like, you were – what were, we were we were tweeting about something or you were talking about uh, – oh, the, the Tyrod Taylor name pronunciation. And I was like, yep. oh, I was like, oh man, I, I was like, I should – I mean, I'm doing this podcast daily now. So I was like, I should see if Kyle wants to come on. That would be a fun conversation because Kyle's a fun guy to talk to. And as it turns out, you have your own football show premiering on Friday night, the Kyle Brandt Football Experience on NFL Network. Um, okay, so aside from the obvious – I just need to get my name on a show before Peter Schrager does. <laughs> what what is what was the what was the impetus for this for this new gig? Um, so it goes back months, and the, the network, the NFL Network, which we had some success with the morning show, they came to me and with this awesome opportunity about let's do something. And I'll tell you quickly. Initially, I wanted to do. I, I don't know about you, I'm sure you remember this. But when I was junior high school age. I would watch, I grew up in Chicago, I'd watch uh, the, the Bears game on the local network. I didn't even have cable at that point. 
Uh, and then I would watch the Chicago Evening News and the sports wrap-up and everything. And then after the Chicago Evening the News, George, George Michael would come on this crazy, kitschy, weird show called the George Michael yes. Sports Machine. Yes, I loved yes. it. And it was this orange man wearing a blazer, I think like with brass buttons, pushing a different electronic buttons and keyboards and playing highlights of everything. And I just loved it. So I said, I would love to do like kind of a, a remake of the sports machine, except it'd be me. And they said, well, that's a great idea, but unfortunately our time slot is Friday, so you can't do that. I'm like, oh, God, I can't do highlights from things that were six days ago. So instead, they said, just do something that's you, do something different. And the brilliant man behind the curtain, Michael Davies, who produces Good Morning Football and traded a million shows and going back to who wants to be a millionaire and reaches all that stuff, he said, Kyle, let's put you in a playground, like an electronic football <laughs> playground. So this show will would be not on a typical TV football set. I'm not at a desk. I'm not on a miniature field. I'm not standing next to a big screen doing a telestrator. I am in an active working control room, oh. like with 50 monitors around me and 5,000 buttons. And as the show goes on, the, the, the team around me, the producers, graphics, technicians, interns, PAs will be working on the show as it happens. And I'm just, I'm just pushing buttons, man. I have access to every play from every player in any game ever. And I plan to use it. You're going to like this, Will, because I know you're a nostalgist for the NFL, just like I am. There's going to be a river of of retro and nostalgia that runs through this show. We will have the coolest play from week six, sure. But we will also have the coolest play from when you were six years old, whatever it may be. Touch of a button, I'll play it. I think you'll love it. I, I, I think this is a good idea. I always thought that you had a really good idea for a podcast right before you left to go do the sure. Good Morning Football um, deal. And, 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 like, for for those that don't know, I mean, you were Jim Rome's producer for a very long time, lived out in L.A., kids, wife, or kid, wife, when you moved. I mean, you made it. This is a huge leap to go to Good Morning Football for a morning show that, I mean, look, I, nobody knew if it would definitely work out because, I mean, you you know, you always believe in yourself, but that time slot has not always been friendly to a single sport-specific program. And you guys have managed to make – make mornings enjoyable um in a, in a time where you know sometimes it's not enjoyable to turn on the news uh you know i mean what like is it do you, do you feel like you're rolling right now i mean like it feels like good morning football is 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 in prime prime time here right now right i hope so man and thanks for saying that i listen you understand this well you are living the dad life just like i am yeah. you have obligations you have responsibilities so i want you to imagine in july of 2016 um we had my, my wife and I, my wife Brooke and I, Brooke is an LA native, born and raised in LA, never lived anywhere else in her life, LA her whole life. We have our two year old son and we have a daughter who is 18 days old. Oh and we moved from Los Angeles to New York for this show. We showed up, my, my Brooke had never, she'd been in New York one time in her life. And she, <laughs> it was like she was taking a selfie in Times Square with a cup of noodles over her shoulder <laughs> with a ball drop. We showed up at JFK, Will, with, 50 different bags and strollers and car seats. I, I felt like we were on Ellis Island. We're standing there, lost. Uh, the babies are crying. The adults are crying. And we, we, it's like we, we risked it all. I mean, you, you could say, well, believe in something, even if it costs you everything. It didn't cost me everything <laughs> yet. We showed up in New York. If the show fell on its face, I feel like my, my marriage, my life, my sanity would have done it with it. Somehow, two years later, dude, it's working out. Thank God. 
Well, it's it, like seriously, if people don't watch it. It's on every morning at seven a.m. and then yeah, uh, it replays again at like uh, is it nine or there's new, new yeah ten yeah it replays at ten. But if you say like if you turn on NFL Network during the morning, you can watch. Uh, good morning football. And it's, it's cool because I think that you and, and Schrager and Kay Adams and, and Nate Burleson have really developed this awesome rapport where yeah. it's, it's, it's like an optimistic, happy football zone. And that's sort of what I want in the year 2018 for, for various different reasons. But let's, let's, we can come back to and talk more TV and more, more life in a second. Sure. I, I am curious your thoughts on actual football. And by the way, this, yeah, is, this is, of course, Kyle's first and only podcast like you haven't i think you mentioned um you know like maybe you did i don't know i'm just kidding you, you said you were doing like 17 interviews a day i heard you um i was driving <laughs> to the mountains last weekend and i I, uh, I saw that you were on bill simmons podcast so congratulations yeah. on that i mean that's a for a i mean you know we're, we're the same age dads of of a certain demographic i mean yeah. that's 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 not something you planned on doing growing up right i mean like like when simmons was in his heyday no, I mean, I remember sitting in my college room when I was a senior, sending Bill Simmons emails. This is like 2001, and I, I had this hilarious thing. I sent him, I'm like, hey, have you ever noticed that uh, Jason Kidd looks just like the guy on Temptation Island? I'm telling you, Bill, this is going to be funny. And, and then you read his new columns, his mailbags, and you hope you're going to be in there. I sent all, I would send all these things to him. So the fact that I was on his podcast, one, and then two, the, he didn't even want to talk about real world stuff. Any of that was was a wild. He was really fun, very flattering. But I got to tell you, Will, I I have done so many radio shows over the past seventy two hours. I, I I said the uh, the publicist, um, the great Andrew Howell, for the NFL Network. I said, Andrew, this is a really big opportunity for me that they're giving me this show once a week. I will go on any any show if they have a phone line and a microphone. And frankly, even if they just have a phone line, I'll just call and talk to the person. It doesn't even matter if they have a microphone. I'll go on any show. So he counted it up for me yesterday. It was 18 shows. Monday, I think it was 17. And then today I dial it down with 15. I'm starting with you, and then I'm ending with the sports pope here in New York, Mike Francesa. So I, I'm a, leaving it all on the field. What a Wednesday. By the way, Andrew Andrew is under the impression that I am off the phone with you already. We haven't even said – I haven't even asked you an NFL question. What? He, yeah, he just emailed me like literally three – and Andrew is the best. Um, he and Alex Reith oh, Miller. Oh, he's probably worried about whatever my uh... – you're, yeah, yeah. He, he's no, giving. Don't worry, we got plenty of time. No, he's giving me a hard out. We got plenty of time, but let's dive into some football. Um, yeah. What is your favorite week one overreaction? Oh, that's a great question. There's so many good ones, man. Um, because as you know, if you went one and zero, you're going to the Super Bowl. If you went zero and one, you're on the clock for the draft. Just you're going to get. If Obviously. you lost the last week, just start breaking film on Nick Closa because you're going to draft him number one <laughs> overall next year. Um, that's my, I, I think, um, let me run a couple of them. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo's terrible. They shouldn't have paid him. He's not worth the money. He's a boss. Um, the, the Cowboys off Zeke and Dak, uh, he'll have nothing. They're going to go six and 10. Uh, the Saints defense is going to be unraveling. They're terrible. They, they're looking at maybe seven and nine on the strength of the offense. And, um, uh, I think probably the Bucks, the Bucks, they're like, break up the Bucks. The one and all, and um, this is you know as we know we can always rely on Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's always really good for long stretches year after year after year. So the fact that he came out good in week one, I'm sure they're going to beat the Eagles this year, this uh, week rather. So that's 
Take your pick. What, what's yours, Will? Well, we also would have accepted Patrick Mahomes for MVP. Would have been an acceptable. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's really interesting because, like, I, lo- I love Mahomes coming in and to end of the season out of the draft, too. But, like, when you look at his stats, they weren't that great. <laughs> he, he threw for, like, 256 yards, completed 55% of his passes. But the throws are so eye-popping um, that, it really, that it really latches on. I think the Saints thing is interesting, too, that you pointed out because – you know, hashtag people forget or whatever. But last year, the Saints defense looked terrible in week one, too. And they got blown out by the Vikings in Minnesota. This is different because it's the Bucks and it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. But it was Sam Bradford last year. And I, I don't I know. know. Maybe maybe they just maybe they just start slow and they'll be fine. I, I do. want do you, do you think do you think that we were wrong about the NFC, though? Because it, it, it felt like there were seven really good Super Bowl, Super Bowl caliber teams. I mean, I believed it, too. But now, like, yeah. a, a weekend, the Falcons have a bunch of injuries. The Saints struggled. Yeah. The Eagles don't know when they're getting Carson Wentz back. I don't know. The, the NFC might be a little less daunting than we thought, maybe. Yeah. I, I wouldn't care that the Falcons lost. It's fine. They lost on the road again to – Great team and yeah. a tough place to play. I wouldn't. Care, I don't care that they lost. I care that they lost Neil and Jones. Yeah. I mean, the the Deion Jones scandal, Neil things. Those injuries, I think, will reverberate for the whole season because I. I don't know about you, will, but I was massive on Atlanta going into the season. Like, I, I mean, I was like, I like them more than the Rams. I like them any more than anyone in the NFC South. Atlanta and the Eagles. I, I thought they were going to meet again, but this time in the NFC title game. Not because I mean, everybody loves Julio and. The offense that does with the big names, but I feel like this was the year that really Dan Quinn had reforged the Falcons in the image of the Seattle Seahawks defense. Like mm-hmm. he had finally gotten there, and Keanu was was the Cam, and Bobby Wagner was Deion Jones. Like I, they were just going to knock people around all year, and it, those are the two guys. I mean, like those are the two hammers that they cannot live without. So Atlanta might be screwed. I don't know. The Dallas is a fascinating one. I, I looked this up. I did a like a kind of a, a brush back of all the overreactions yesterday. That, you know that so so Dak wasn't good and Zeke didn't have big numbers. You go back to 2016, their dream season when they were both rookies. They lost week one. Yep. Dak was not good. Zeke was not good. Both of them had worse numbers in the first week of that season than they did yesterday in another loss. Mm. So I'm not giving up on the Cowboys yet. And also Garoppolo. People want to say, oh, 100 million, whatever it is. He threw all these interceptions. He lost at one of the best teams in the league on the road. And I mean, I did deep dives on all this stuff. Do you know who also in 1991 lost his <laughs> first season opener for the Niners? Steve Young lost, played poorly. Do you know who in 1981 lost his season opener for the Niners? Joe Montana played poorly. I can't jump on this guy yet. They had him within a score of the Vikings on the road in the fourth quarter. I think they'll be all right, too. Yeah, I'm with you on Jimmy G because – Marquise Goodwin went out early with a hamstring injury. I mean, that's his, yeah. that's his number one wide receiver. And he was – the Vikings more than anyone else, and people are going to be slow to catch up on this, Kyle, but the Vikings have one of the three or four best home field advantages in football right yeah. now. That place is – I mean, you, you were there for the Super Bowl. I mean, that place is crazy loud. It's got, like, sunlight pouring in. Vikings fans are, are you know, not right now. They're not escaping the cold. But in general, they're escaping, like, tundra-like conditions to go in there and scream about football for several hours. Yeah, and, and you know what, dude? It's, they are, and it's a very tough place to play, and the stadium's great, and the team is great. And I will say, something that Strager's been talking a lot about, and he, Strager's really plugged in with the Niners, who went there and lost. You can't oversell how much they were going to make this thing about Jarek McKinnon. And I thought it was kind of weird when they signed him for all that money, because you know, Jarek McKinnon makes some plays here and there, but he's never been gangbusters. 
that whole deal, and, and they talked about it, it was going to be Garoppolo and McKinnon was going to be their Mr. Everything that Shanahan plays with. And I feel like right now they're forced to scramble. And I'll, I'll bridge it to fatherhood, Will. A couple weeks ago, this is how I feel about the Niners losing McKinnon and why they're going to have to scramble this year. A couple weeks ago, we went to this place with my family called Sesame Place. Hmm. A Sesame Place is a B-grade Sesame Street-themed <laughs> water park. All right? So we went there. It was it was a terrible drive. It's two hours. It's in South Jersey. Almost, I think it's in, actually in Philadelphia. It's in Pennsylvania. And the only reason we wanted to go there was that my son had seen these pictures of this thing called the Grover Coaster. Because the only reason we went, he's begging for it, begging for it, begging for it. I want the Grover Coaster. I want the Grover Coaster. That's all. We get there, Will. I'm not bleeping you on it. So we, we do the hell on wheels, two-hour drive. We get to the park. And the Grover Coaster is closed down oh. and not running that day. It's not there. So we're already there. We're already in. And we have to make a day out of this theme park when the whole reason for being there for my son was the Grover Coaster. And he was inconsolable. So Jarek McKinnon was going to be the Grover Coaster for the Niners. And they have to still have a nice time and not cry and fight the whole time and try to make this a win without Jarek McKinnon. That's the best I could do. That's a great analogy. I, th- I think, too, the thing with the 49ers, and this applies to the Bears as well, is that we got so – there was so much hype building up to the season and so much expectations that it did get out of control. Like, next year is supposed to be their year. If they make a run this year, that's great, but next year is supposed to be their year. And I think you can still see the 49ers – Maybe even be a team that gets involved in Le'Veon Bell, depending on how that situation yeah. plays out. He'd be perfect for Kyle Shanahan's offense. Jimmy G, Jimmy G's gonna be fine. I, I'm not worried about him, um, in, in the slightest. All right. I want to ask you, yeah. Kyle, if you had to pick one quarterback, uh-huh. you have to, you have to win one game against an undetermined opponent, but the opponent is the same for whoever you're going to play. You got to pick one of these quarterbacks. You can choose between Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, Mitchell okay. Trubisky, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Will, I love you. This is a great question. <laughs> this is why you're – okay, so um, Trubisky's out. She hasn't done it. Um, wow. And he's out. I mean, yeah. It's, it's fine. Uh, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't won the game. Uh, Mariota's out. Um, I don't care if he's healthy or not. I know he's had a couple big moments at the end of last year, but I know he's won a playoff game. I'm just not. I'm not feeling it yet. I, I, he's, I've seen him on big stages come up short too many times. I think he's still got things to prove. And then I have Fitzpatrick, and who was the other one? Derek Carr. I, I believe you had some prog- prognostication about Derek Carr before the season. <laughs> <laughs> so can can Derek Carr's head coach in this hypothetical be Jack Del Rio? <laughs> yes. Who is who's yeah. the head coach? Is it Gruden or Del Rio? Uh, you can you can it can be you and you can hire uh, whoever you want as your assistant coaches. Uh, all right. So all right. So my assistant coach is going to be Sean McVay. And mm. no, I would take um <laughs> I'll take I'll take Carr. I I, I love Fitz, and I you and I are got to be huge to Fitz because Fitz right now is like is like a hell dad. It's like, He's living. He's living. His, he's living his best dad life right now as a bearded Harvard guy who has no business being out there. So Fitzpatrick, I don't know if Rivers has ever done it, but six kids, five touchdowns, and I don't know. <laughs> you know the history better than me. Has that ever happened? I, I don't know if it has. I didn't know Fitzpatrick had six kids. Does he have six kids? Six. That's the- six children. All of them, those, each one of them will go to a different Ivy League school. And they'll have them all covered, I think, except for maybe Columbia, which is fun. But, uh, I mean, 
Fitz is awesome. It's, he's now America's football dad, him and cousins. But in this hypothetical, like, I just give me car, give, give me car, give me the talent. I'm so so tantalized by that beautiful 2016 season, man. I I, I can't help myself, and I, and I and I think he was in the MVP conversation that year. I think he would have won a playoff game if he didn't get hurt. So. Respect to like three bad interceptions against the Rams, I, I'm going to attribute that to just the Rams being a, a juggernaut and the car and the Raiders being that bad. So I'll take Carr. Right, that's fine. I mean, I think that he might even be the answer. And I, I wrote about it today for my quarter or for Wednesday, excuse me, for my quarterback power rankings that I think there's a chance. And I tweeted about this. I think there's a chance that the Raiders could move on from Carr. It's not an indictment of him per se, but just because John Gruden is, um, a, a little bit crazy. I want to, Kyle, I want to ask you, you have like a job as an NFL network analyst on Good Morning Football on the only fo- only football centric morning show on the NFL network which is you know in part owned by uh, these different teams do you guys ever do you ever sit there and like you worry that you might get some electroshock therapy if you say something bad about a particular team does that ever concern you guys um i think about it but it doesn't concern me sure i mean this is all the time like this morning Jerry Jones, who not only is one of my bosses, but one of the most famous, one of the most outspoken <laughs> bosses, we played the same as him this morning, and he, and he was saying something about that Dak Prescott, you know, he can run like Cam Newton, but he can throw like Jerry Goff. And I was like, I, I, I like that, but like that, that's an awfully flattering comparison. I mean, nobody runs like Cam. I don't think Randall Cunningham threw like Cam. And it, 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 it's also me like, Drew Jones is that person who wants to like set you up on a date, and I used to have this like my friends would be like, <laughs> "Oh, you love her. She's really cute. She's got a cool job, and she's super fun." And like I go out with her like five minutes, and I'm like, "This girl doesn't seem fun. She's not even touching her bruschetta. She doesn't seem fun at all." <laughs> like Jerry Jones builds people up. Like he did. Dak Prescott got a great style there. But what really jumped out to me, not only that he can't run like him, but Jerry Goff sits back there. And throws it now to Brandon Cooks, who is a fast, expensive weapon that they brought in for him. And Zach Prescott, who is on his rookie contract in the sweet spot for bringing in people around him. Uh, he's, I mean, Cole Beasley is a nice player, and I, I guess maybe Alan Hunt might be something. But why is it that we're sitting here and then their window is about to close where they pay Dak or move on? And there's nothing around Dak to really scare people except for Zika Elliott running in the 12 dots. There, there's, there's not. And if you look at this, the Dallas Cowboys salary cap table, the biggest salary cap hit they've got is Tyron Smith at, uh, 17 and change. I think maybe 19 and change. Um, then it's DeMarcus. Yeah, it's 17 for Tyron Smith. Then it's DeMarcus Lawrence on his one year deal at 17 million. And then if you're willing to stretch a little bit, the number three hit on the salary cap for the Cowboys is Tony Romo and Des Bryant. That's a problem. Oh yeah, it's, it's, they, oh they take up 9% of the salary cap in terms of their dead money on, on the Dallas Cowboys, uh, on the Dallas Cowboys roster. That's an issue. But so I was actually asking about that because I, I wanted you, um, because you, I think you guys are optimistic and it's nice. Like that's what I, I don't want pessimistic, angry, um, you know, hot takes in the morning. I, I want, I want, I want, I want optimism in the morning served with my sure. cup of coffee. But, uh, can you give something bills? Can you give bills fans something to be optimistic about? Yeah, sure. I mean, listen, that game was terrible. It was one of the worst debuts ever, and the Bills fans had some tough days. That was a bad day. However, the team last year went to the bleeping playoffs with Tarad, Tarad Taylor, and the reason they went to the playoffs is because they played defense, man. That, that's why, like, 
wasn't, I, I wasn't totally aghast by the offensive number, the three points they put up against Baltimore, because, I mean, you knew the team the thing might explode, which it did. But I think I was more offended and, and worried if I'm a Bills fan about the 40 plus that Baltimore put on me because we got a thing here we're going to do for Buffalo. We're going to we're going to have a quarterback who's, who's going to keep us in it, and we're going to run, and we're going to hit you. We got Trey White, Lorenzo Alexander, and Kyle Williams. Like these are going to be our guys. Like we're, we're going to get there at the defense, and so to get shredded, not by the Rams or the Chiefs or something, but. You know, for Flacco, and I think Flacco does the great things this year, but that's what's most concerning to me. So if I'm doubling down on the Bills and we're doing the heavy lifting and make them feel optimistic after that F-minus opener, <laughs> it would be A, you guys know how to play defense and run, and B, from what I'm seeing now, Big Josh is coming in, and it couldn't be worse than, than the Peterman experiment. It couldn't He can't play worse than that. Yeah, Peterman got treated like he's a veteran. He's not. He's drafted in the fifth round last year. Like, he's a... Young guy with Isn't that no, weird? yeah, we just treat him like oh, Nathan Peterman, you know, journey. Like he gets treated like he's Ryan Fitzpatrick, like he's been around the league for <laughs> for twenty five right, years. Like he's got skins on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Peterman is, is one of the respected guys. Like yeah. he's a like a Josh McCown or Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Like everybody's played with him. He's been here for years. No, he's just some guy that I guess McDermott just. I just wish I loved something as much as McDermott loves Peterman because last year to shove him in in the middle of the playoff hunt and then this year to start him and get rid of the can, he loves them. So it must have killed him to pull him out of the game. I'm glad that nobody hates me as much as McDermott hates Nathan Peterman. Um, You're right. <laughs> if, uh, when, when you look around, like what's, what's one team that you changed your mind on? From the preseason after week one, change, or change your mind a little bit on, or actually don't, didn't change. What's one thing that happened in week one that, that reinforced something you thought before the season that makes you want to ride or die with a particular team? Well, when I didn't catch Baltimore, I, I think Baltimore, just to put that to bed, is, is a juggernaut. Like, I, I mean, yes. like, I think Baltimore could win could win like 12 games this year. I think they're that good. And I think Flacco's going to be that good. And it's a weird thing, man, because doing a TV show, Baltimore, the Ravens don't move the needle. They're not sexy. They're not exciting. They haven't been in years. And so I'm usually loath to talk about the Ravens just because they don't have that much sizzle. But all of a sudden, I can't stop talking about it. They, they feel like a, a key worker that I've worked with for years that I've never paid attention to. And then one day they come into work, and I don't know if they changed their hair or got some glasses or something. I can't get their hair I want to go out. Let's go to Baltimore. I can't get enough of right now, but I think the team that to answer the first uh, first question you put that like kind of surprised me or flipped me a little bit is, is the Redskins. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's so weird, well, that we're talking in 2018 about Alex Smith on the Redskins handing the ball to Adrian Peterson on the Redskins. That sounds terrible. Like if you were told me that three years ago. I'd be like, oh, that is so sad. Adrian Peterson on the Redskins. That's like Thurman Thomas on the Dolphins or Edgerin James on the Seahawks. That's so sad. And then he came out and Sunday looked like he's going to win the rushing title. That Redskins was that was an awesome. Win. Yeah, uh, he made and Kyle does for those that don't know the violent runs of the week. Adrian Peterson, a a the, the violent run of the week, and every year yeah. for every year for his entire career. I actually had the Redskins winning that division, so I feel pretty good after week one. You do. Yeah, um, I was all in. Yeah, I was all in on the Redskins, and I and I actually I have a super. I have a a bet on the Ravens to win the Super Bowl at fifty to one in Las Vegas. So I am also enthused at the idea of the. I love I I love the Ravens this year, like coming in, and and but I'm with you a hundred percent. Like I have always, 
and I don't know why. I mean, I've been doing this for like 10 years, like eight to eight, 10 years, whatever it is. I mean, that close to a decade. I have never liked, picked, uh, been all about the Ravens one time in my entire like time doing this. I, I don't, I don't care for them. They don't, they don't interest me. I find Joe Flacco boring. Something about this idea of him being replaced by Lamar Jackson and getting motivated and getting fit and looking lean and looking sharp. I, I don't know. I, I like it. And I, I'm in on the, I'm in on the Ravens this year. I picked them to win the division over the Steelers too. So I'm, I am pleased with the week one outcomes. I think, I think they're real. I don't know. I, I should also point out while I'm, Humble bragging that I, I picked the Falcons to win the Super Bowl and they're deteriorating. Around. Yeah, that's um, all right. It, there, there's something interesting you point out though, Will. Like, I don't know. For most of the, the last uh, however many years it's been with Flacco, it's like you turn on a game and see the ass and it's like, ugh, the Ravens. And, mm-hmm. You know, I get it. And Ray does the dance and all that. That's fine. I, I get it. But like Flacco, just tedious. Like, just not a, a lot of entertainment value, uh, except for those times that he would maybe uncork a deep pass. But now it's like they've made him a sympathetic figure that you're rooting for because of Lamar Jackson yeah. and because it's it's almost like Flacco now is like the people's quarterback because he's never done anything annoying. He's a decent guy. The, the whole elite and the memes and all that stuff that we've talked about for years, and now they bring in this like fast, cool, young quarterback, and you're like, no, hold on a sec. I stand with Flacco. I have been, I've had time with Flacco. I've spent Sunday afternoons with Flacco, and he's gone from the most tedious quarterback to like I don't know, like the, the sympathetic figure you kind of want to root for. Do Do you think that younger guys, like like in their mid twenties, feel this way, or is this just like it, like we're we're in our mid thirties? We know that we're we're approaching it. Maybe like not like our, we're cresting here or anything like that, but you know, you're at least like you're in the you're in the replaceable stage of your career, maybe more yeah, so. 100%. Yeah, like I think. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I, I identify with all those guys, man. Yeah, yeah. like. No, the young people, they don't have any idea. And, and like Flacco, there's there's something in a way I empathize with him where it's like, you know, I, I'm not necessarily on the top of my game either. It's a sort of like what I call like the pool boy factor. Like if you have a pool and some guy comes over and is skimming the pool and he's in better shape than you, maybe your wife is looking at him like, all of a sudden, you know, you get in the gym. And yeah. So basically, Lamar Jackson is the guy skimming the pool for Flacco. And he says, no, 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 this is still my pool. This, this is my house. It's my wife. Over, eyes over here, honey. And after one week, that's what he's doing. Hey, John Harbaugh, look over here, pal. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, I, I come here, John. What am I, Chuck Liver over here? I want you a Super Bowl. Get over here. Yeah, we should, um, I think we should start I, hashtag I stand with Flacco. I don't, maybe that, maybe, <laughs> maybe that'll go over poorly on Twitter. Twitter might, you don't, you should, I guess you shouldn't stand with anything in a, in a non-serious fashion on Twitter. Um, okay. We're going to get you out of here on this because you've been kind enough to give us tons of time. By the way, you can, of course, watch the Kyle Brand experience. I watched the, I watched the, the intro of the trailer. There's no trailer. There's no content for it. But the intro is very George Michael's sports machine of you, as you pointed out. And I, I applaud you for that. Um, Wednesday was National Video Games Day for, because every, every damn day has a, or every damn thing has a day now. Of course. Um, you only get to play one game for the rest of time. You have to pick between these three. Are you taking GoldenEye, Tecmo Bowl, or Mario Kart? Oh, will you? You bastard. <laughs> How dare you do that? Take my eyes, but not my Mario Kart. Oh, um, Alright, I, I think and this is this is so hard. This is like one of those Mary F. Kill. Um yep. all right, I would marry Tecmo Bowl. No. I think you Tecmo can actually you could do that. You can go that direction if you want. That's perfect. Alright, it's all good. Yeah. Alright. Um I will I will marry 
Mario Kart. I'm going to marry Mario Kart because it's a lifelong experience. You can always play with friends. A beginner can play. It's not terribly intimidating. Um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, uh, make sweet love to Goldeneye <laughs> because, because it, it is kind of hot and dangerous. And that's like the difference between like, if you're, if I'm Wario on Koopa Troopa Beach and I beat you as Yoshi, we have some laughs and everything. But if I am uh, the Agent 006 and you're Xenia and I keep blasting you <laughs> in the stack level with uh, pistols only, no body armor, you get pissed off. Yep. Like It gets contentious. So that one it runs a little hotter. So I'm going to have to, uh, I guess, fornicate is the word with the golden eye. And that would just leave. Then I got to I gotta kill my, my sweet, sweet tech mobile. But I will say this, and the only way I can justify it, Will, and obviously it's first out Hall of Fame, it's my favorite video game of all time, I think, but it's also already had, like, the comeback where it's cool, mm. it's ironic, and Bo Jackson does the commercial, and everyone does, you know, the, the Twitter gifts, and there's 10,000, this famous play happens in the NFL, and then it's remade with Tech Mobile, so it's already gotten, like, jump the sharky, kind of kitschy, like, it's it's aware of itself already. So it's not as pure as Tech Mobile was for you and I in 1991. So I'm going to have to kill Tech Mobile. Uh, I'll lie down with GoldenEye, and I'm going to live happily ever after with Mario Kart. Those are good choices, too, because the thing with Mario Kart is you can't beat Mario Kart. I mean, you can, but, like, you can play Mario Kart for eternity. Like, you can you just, you just have to keep improving your times, like your, your time trials. Yeah. Um, you get That's bored, point. and then you play against. Like, you can play against the ghost if you want. Like if yeah. you have a memory pack, if you're that kind of thing. Like yep. Nate Burleson is always talking about the. He's made a million comparisons on our show to um, like if a team had a good season last year, like say the um, oh I don't know the Jaguars, and they're trying to repeat it. They'll always be like, you know, the Jaguars are chasing that ghost in Mario Kart. That <laughs> last season was the ghost. Like it's actually a really cool analogy. So. You're right. You can win that cup in Mario Kart. You can always be better or faster or use more turtle shells or weapons. It's never end. Yep. And you can run out of stuff to do in GoldenEye. All right, Kyle Brandt. Follow him on Twitter at Kyle Brandt. Make sure and watch the Kyle Brandt experience. It is 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern on NFL Networks, NFL Network on Friday, I believe. And uh, DVR that. And, of course, be watching Good Morning Football every morning at 7 a.m. Kyle, Peter Schrager, Kay, Brandt, uh, Kay, Kay, Kay Adams, excuse me, Kay Brandt, um, Kay Adams, and uh, Nate Burleson, who apparently is the Mario Kart savant of, of the show. Well, thank you for having me. I will just say to your listeners, you listen, you love football, but let me just speak to you for a second about the, the industry. There's so many people and so many people tweeting and so many people writing and podcasting and everything. I can assure you, having met him, having worked with him, Will Brinson is one of the good guys. You're too, you're too kind, buddy. Thanks for taking the time.